silence, a vast emptiness devoid of substance, void of air or land or sea for that matter. To put it into layman's terms, there are no monkeys, there is no gravel, neither parachutes nor flapjacks, asbestos nor jews harps. It is very, very empty. Apart, of course, from being full of billions upon billions of stars, planets, meteors and comets, black holes, quasars and pulsars, radiation and stray raw elements that make up the very building blocks of all life and matter in the universe. But other than that, it's completely empty. However, some space is not as vacant as other space, and the space not far beyond the outer atmosphere of the Earth was at that present moment inhabited by the good ship corrugated. The mighty ship constructed of paper and card was humanity's first successful spacefaring vehicle. It gently spun round the Earth, leisurely cruising in a dainty geosynchronous orbit of just over a thousand miles an hour. Aboard the bridge of the good ship corrugated, stood Captain Afor, tall and muscular, square-jawed and square-shouldered, spherically-eyed and rectangularly-toothed, triangular-nosed and arched of eyebrow. He was the World Space Agency's most lauded and decorated officer, and deemed the only man capable of leading a successful mission to the stars. Looking upon the viewscreen cut into the front of the ship, he squinted through the porcelain paper, attempting to make out the vague round blur that this time he had been assured was their home planet, after three accidental attempts to return home to Mars, Venus, and a smudge on the viewscreen, all three of which resulted in a landing party being sent out and dying almost instantly. But none of the crew truly expected ever to return home. After all, the 641 previous missions to the stars had ended in catastrophe, mostly because someone at the World Space Agency thought it would be calming to have cats aboard spacebound vehicles. But of course, the cats scratched and clawed through the hull, as they did to the walls of any cat owner's house, and the crew all either suffocated or were sucked out into space and then suffocated. Incoming message from the World Space Agency, said Navigator B3. Are you sure? A4 asked. The last time you said there was an incoming message, it turned out to be a broadcast of I Love Lucy. But how we laughed, sir, said Science Officer Gypsum, who was always worryingly overenthusiastic. He once threw a party after banging his knee on a table and held a parade because somebody sneezed. Definitely a communication from the World Space Agency, sir. There's no laugh track. Very well, the captain said. Put it on the viewscreen. The image of the vague blue blur on the viewscreen shimmered and shifted, cutting through static to a vague blur of a man in a jacket and admiral's hat banks of blurry monitors, and a host of scientists and analysts operating blurrily behind him. Greetings, Captain A4. Welcome back, said the blurry Admiral. We're not back yet, Admiral, 
But thank you for your welcome, and a welcome to you too. You're very welcome for the welcoming, as are you for yours, and you for yours, and you for yours. Landing coordinates, sir, whispered Navigator B3, knowing that these exchanges of politeness between the two decorated officers could often go on for minutes, hours, days, and sometimes weeks. The operations at the World Space Agency were regularly delayed due to politeness. In fact, the very mission they were returning from had been delayed by three days due to the captain and science officer insisting on holding a door open for one another. And when it was decided who would hold the door for the other, came the issue of who would walk through it first, then who would open the next door, and who would walk through that first.